What is a bad miracle? It's that America's rootinest, tootinest podcast, The Pod People, is still on after all these years. Y'all are stuck with us. Like me, the Scorpion King, Matisse Van Rossum. <laughs> I'm America's least happy birthday boy, Ben Sheets. And I'm the one-eyed, one-horned, flying purple penis eater. Oh, I thought you were going to say flying purple pe- <laughs> people cleaver. Oh, fuck, I should have. Uh, too, not too late. Uh, <laughs> what he said. I'm that. That's me, Cleveland. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Uh, well, we're we're back to uh, to talk about the brand new uh, Jordan Peele uh, film, Nope. His first one since Us in 2019, Return of the Mac, right? And you know what, boys, I'm upset. I'm I'm pissed off because uh, there is a part of me that wanted this movie to be bad, so I could say, did I like this movie? Nope, but. Am I able to use that joke? Nope, because well, it was good. <laughs> well, you can still say, did I like this movie, comma, nope. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> there you go. Yep. You still yep. got it. How was your guys' theater experience with this? Yeah, well, Ben is uh, Ben's joining us from uh, rural Minnesota in a, in a hotel room God knows where. Or uh, why. So yeah, we had we had separate theater experiences this time. Cleve and I went to see it last night here in Durham. Um, you know, our theater was packed, uh, but other than that, nothing memorable about the audience. Very respectful. Nobody was loud. Uh, you know, there were laughs at the right times, but uh, I, I yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a particularly memorable theater experience one way or another. Other than the fact that. Uh, the movie was really good, and yeah. I and I enjoyed seeing it on the big screen in Dolby. There was this one guy next to yeah. me who got up about partway through the movie to use the bathroom and spilled popcorn all over his seat, and that was really obnoxious. I think you, I think you're confusing that with you. You're the one who did that. It was. No, it, was, was me. it was me. It was me. Cleveland got up to go pee and spilled his popcorn everywhere. I did. And I then came so back and didn't want to clean it up at the time, so just sat in the popcorn oh, until the end of the movie. <laughs> there were like people like right next to me, like there were people all around me, and when I I, knew, I realized what had happened as soon as I got up, like I, I got out of my chair and the popcorn to my side just like tilted over and just spilt like in the seat and, and it's it was a Dolby big, like comfy it's those seats. big comfy recliners yeah. too so. and I got up and I was like fuck you know, and, I, and I got up and I went and used the restroom and I was thinking like on my way to the restroom like yeah you know what it'll be okay I can grab some paper towels from there and I can use that to kind of like wipe, wipe down my seat as I'm sitting back down and it'll be fine um and I go to wash my hands, and sure enough, they're out of paper towels. They're always too. out of paper so, towels. So, like, I didn't even do that. So I walk back to my seat, and, like, I kind of try and, like, scoop it, like, as I'm trying to sit down. But like, I can't stand for too long because there's people behind me, and, like, it's awkward. So I kind of, like, I get some of them to the side, and then I just kind of sit down. Like, I wasn't really sitting in popcorn. You sat down in your nest of, of spilled popcorn. Yeah, I kind of sat with, like, my, my, my ass a little forward. So I wasn't really sitting in it. I was just sitting, like, next to it. It was, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's what you. You were on yourself. the edge of your seat. <laughs> I was. Oh, yeah. Well, what, what about what you, Ben? You had the th- you texted us and said you had the theater to yourself. Yeah, so I had a really weird theater experience. Well, first of all, this hotel is like in a liminal space of sorts. I go outside to walk over to the movie theater because it's like a couple blocks away from here, 
but the outside of this uh, hotel is like a completely flat, empty parking lot with like a Perkins on the side. <laughs> and truly, so the back I, I rooms. walk over. Yeah, literally, I walk over to the movie theater. It's on the side street, like in the middle of nowhere, essentially. And I go in. There's like two teenagers working there. You know, I uh, get my ticket or whatever, and I go into the theater, and it's like it's like a Dolby theater. It's like straight up like one of the biggest screens I've seen in a while. It, it reminded me of the AMC 17, um, and yeah, I had it all to myself. That's crazy. Um, On a Friday night, a new movie, and you're in there by yourself? Yeah, well, I think there's like 15 people that live in this town. So. Well, that's that's what makes it even funnier because there's 15 people who live in the town and they have such a big extravagant theater that nobody is using. <laughs> yeah, but hey, more hey, for that's me. pretty cool. Um, well, yeah, Cleve and I had a little bit of time to talk. We didn't go into length no. uh, about our thoughts because we wanted to save them for the podcast. We chatted a little bit, but uh, what are what are your initial thoughts, Ben? How did you like it? Overall, I really enjoyed it. I don't think it's a perfect movie it's a little scattered um but it it's a killer blockbuster it reminded me a lot of, of spielbergian sort of blockbuster movies like yeah. close encounters or jaws it's very jawsy footnote on that for the jaws thing we'll come yeah. back to that for sure it was very um engaging it kept my attention the whole time it does run a little long and it almost felt like they cut some stuff out to meet the the runtime it's at right now well yeah i was gonna Um, say because like it is kind of long like it's just over two hours but i struggle to think of like where i would make cuts to like shave it down it didn't really feel too long for me like I, i like you i was i was pretty thoroughly engaged the whole time and like the third act is like very exciting Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess gun to my head, like maybe you could slim down like the first act a little bit, but like it yeah. feels, it feels like a good length for the kind of story it's trying to tell. I think every all of the first act is necessary for exposition. Yeah, I, I, I enjoyed all of it, like how they introduce all the characters and stuff. Yeah, and I I think a little bit of the Gordy stuff probably could have been cut, but I I found uh, that stuff entertaining love, as well i love the gordy um, stuff even though even though i will say the the cg animal was a little unnerving to me do you think that was by design because i agree it's kind of unnerving in sort of like that uncanny valley sort of way because it's not like the best cg it was it it was a dude uh in mocap i think i think his name's like trent noble or something like not that. andy circus not andy circus but andy circus well he is sort of like the new andy circus because he oh. was in those planet of the apes movies alongside andy circus and he's he also uh was kong in kong skull island oh cool oh damn so he's, yeah. follow, I was so he's a man. 
I was looking that dude up. Monkey Terry, I, I said Trent Noble. My man's name is Terry Notary. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I, I, got, I got the T and the N right, but otherwise could not have been more off. Very good. Um, Very good. Yeah, Terry Notary. Terry Notary is an incredible name. I just want to say that much. Mm-hmm. And he's the new he's the new Andy Serkis. He's the new Hollywood monkey guy. Uh, Such but, a niche. Know, I, uh, I, I liked the Gordy stuff a lot. Well, I, I think the Gordy stuff is important, too, because it's like a direct parallel with like the rest of the movie. Mm-hmm. I won't dig into that mm-hmm. too deep until we get more into spoilers. Cause uh yeah, I I was I was really surprised and happy with like the turns this movie made because like I was a little bit worried that like the trailers, especially the second one, like kind of showed too much and uh the twist still took me by surprise in like a, a really satisfying way that I enjoyed a lot. I agree. I never saw the second trailer. I got very lucky. Of course, I saw the first Me trailer either, actually. a billion times. Oh, you yeah, too. geez, nice. we saw that first one so many times. Mm-hmm. And so happy to say that, unlike my experience with Black Phone, where the trailer is just essentially the entire film, mm-hmm. this movie couldn't be further from the truth. It was. I was so surprised and had such a wonderful time, uh, and there were so many great experiences that aren't clipped. In the yeah, trailer. the the second trailer recontextualized the tone of the film, I think, and gave me a little bit better expectation of, like, what kind of movie it was going to be, I guess. Like, I think this is Jordan Peele's most directly comedic movie of his three. Like, they all have... Um, like, very funny moments, because, you know, he's got a good sense of humor and good sense of comedic timing. But this one feels like the most straight-up, like, comedy horror, I think. And that first trailer did not give a good sense of that at all, um, which is fine. Um, but the second trailer did. So, uh, and it, it leaned a little more heavy, heavily on, like, the UFO hunting stuff. Um, but even so, like it, the the movie still went in a direction that I did not see coming at all, um, mm-hmm. based off of either trailer. So that was well, that was really uh, satisfying. The first trailer, I think, doesn't I think, even directly <laughs> say it's a, an alien movie or a UFO film. Like it yeah, doesn't, I, but you can trailer, you can you can tell. Yeah, the first trailer has a lot of red herrings too. Mm-hmm. Um, things that seem like oh, this is the alien. And it ends up totally not the alien. Yes. Um, like I think of the Gordy co-star at the. Uh, oh, the fist bump. The, the fist bump, as well as uh, the the girl in the veil. Yes. Mm-hmm. Who got uh, her uh, shit? Her shit face rock, ripped off by, a, least, by yeah. an angry chimp. Yeah, I I thought like that. What I what I thought was going to happen is they're going to get turned into horse people. Oh, that, uh, a centaur movie. Now, yeah, that well, been... no, like, not like they would have been turned into horse people. They would have been people turned into horses. Okay, like, well, it, I, I would prefer horse people. Sure, sure. You've, but, heard, yeah. you've heard of Sentai films, but where where are the centaur the films? Yeah. Like, yeah, I was, I was thinking that it would be, like, they'd be, like, transmogrifying people for sport, you know, or entertainment or something. And, like, yeah, she, it was, like, I thought it was the sister. I thought it was the same actress. But, like, her teeth were becoming, like, horse-like and shit. Like she was oh, being more... you thought she was turning into a horse. I yeah, it turned out just an entirely different character uh, who just didn't have lips. Yeah, because <laughs> they got ripped off by an angry chimp. Yeah. I was just going to kick us off uh, with kind of the opening of this film, opening on kind of the aftermath of the Gordy incident with Gordy 
sitting there next to like a bloody couch with feet laying almost sort of disembodied with the rest of the person behind the couch um and gordy kind of looking around i found that really creepy yes. yeah, i don't know about you guys well yeah because i mean the um, monkey the 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 chimp is like wearing like a little outfit he's wearing like a little shirt and little jean shorts and it's got like a party hat on but it's like face and arms are just like covered in blood Mm -hmm. and you like you said you've got like there's there is somebody like lying on the ground behind the couch uh we can see that this is like a sitcom set and like the the studio is like empty um and we can tell that something really horrible has happened here uh somebody has been mauled by this chimpanzee um and then that ends with like the the chimp turning to look at the camera, and then it cuts to to present day. And I thought like, wow, what a, what a way to start a movie. There's one other detail in that tableau. Oh, the um, shoe, the shoe, yeah. And that, yeah. Oh, oh, I know they never really explain that. Like, there's just like a shoe that is like perfectly upright. Like, on its heel. And it's got one drop of blood on the toe of the shoe. But mm-hmm. otherwise, it's pristine, and it just, like, standing up on, on like, its heel. Like, perfectly balanced. Mm. Like, it shouldn't be able to stand like that. And it you think, like, if it's, like an, like, an alien ray or interference or something. My mind was just going wild at, like, what the fuck is going on in this scene? And it took me so deeply into it, just trying to, like, find all the little details, what's going on in the background... Uh, trying to figure out what's up with this chimp, that when it, like, looked at me, totally broke the spell in such a cool way. I was so chilled by it. I had forgotten, like, I had been watching a movie. Immediately. Like, the movie had just started. You know, like, it takes a minute Mm -hmm. to kind of get lulled into, like, forgetting that you're watching a film and just being in the film. It's a really excellent way to, like, suck you in. Oh, yeah, it took me right in and just, boom, when it looked at me, I was terrified. Jordan Peele's really good at that, too. Like, both Get Out and Us have, like really good openings, I think, that, like, yeah. really suck you in right away. Um, well, he understands hypnotism and sleight of hand. Yeah. Like, uh, and I know that's, those are silly things to say, but look at Get Out, right? Like, it's a whole film about hypnotism. Mm-hmm. And my dude did his research for that. Like, it's... He really understands, like, how to put audiences in a trance. And just right off the bat, it's so good for the... Uh, there's an opening credits sequence looking up this weird shoot. Yeah, um, and we don't know what it is. I was thinking it was like a cattle shoot, you know, or like they like like a, like a butcher shop or something to like execute cattle. Because um, there's like farms and stuff mm-hmm. in the story, so mm-hmm. um, and it ends up kind of being that, which is cool. Sort but, of. Uh, there's there's that with um, uh, and it's just you can't see what's at the end of the shoot. It's just darkness, mm-hmm. and it slowly keeps tracking up. And it reminded me of the the us intro. With the TV showing, like, the hands across America, and you slowly, like, Mm -hmm. see the girl's face on the screen. It it was very similar, like, just, uh, it's, it's in, you know, like, 16 by 9, um, or widescreen, uh, but it kind of reduces, like, it kind of frames the shot. It creates an artificial frame, yeah. Yeah, and... Both the both those intros do the same thing. I think that's cool. Like he's that's really a good, good at point. That. I hadn't even thought about that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think beyond that, the one-two punch of the Gordy scene followed by the scene with uh, uh, OJ and Keith David 
um, yes. that we get right at the top of the movie. Just we should kind of we should clarify. OJ is Daniel Kaluuya's yes. character's name. OJ Simpson is not in this movie. <laughs> yeah. There's a bit about yes. that which I and like. they do have a have a joke about yes. that. Yeah, yeah. But that scene is wild. Yeah, and I think the combination of the Gordy scene followed by this one. Uh, really kind of set you on your toes for the rest of the movie because well, you never knew what to expect. Yeah, you know? it's it's uh, it's uncanny uh, Twilight Zone shit, you know? Which, mm-hmm. like, Jordan Peele is obviously a huge fan of and hugely inspired by the Twilight Zone. Um, shame that that, uh, that reboot series that he executive produced turned out to be doo-doo. Um, maybe, I've always been curious, yeah, but... Maybe he should have Maybe he should have directed the, the segments, but he should have just had total creative control. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a better director than he is a producer. Facts, man, facts. He's He has uh, unfortunately slapped his, his name on some kind of stinky uh, uh, shows, especially... Um, looking at you, Lovecraft Country. Hmm. Um, <laughs> so I was so excited to hear about that show. Yeah, the, the premise book, is awesome. The book is kind of bad too, though. Mm. Honestly, whatever. We're not we're not here to talk about that. Yeah, but the yeah, Twilight Zone. He did was ass. Yeah, I only watch watched it. the first. I only watched the first couple episodes, and I was like, this is enough for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's okay because like. Really, every film he makes is kind of like an extended Twilight Zone episode. Mm-hmm. Like they they really do follow like a lot of the same kind of structures. Um, and Nope is no different. Uh, I I want to circle back to what you were talking about, Ben, with the the scene with uh, Keith David, um, who who plays Daniel Kaluuya and Kiki Palmer's dad, uh, who owns the uh, the the horse ranch. Um, and they're sort of like out there in the in the corral and a bunch of like random shit just starts falling from the sky and they do it in such a way it's like it's all small shit so you can't really tell what it is you can like, just is kind it of hail? yeah it's just it just seems to be like hailing and then like Keith David falls off his horse and um, Daniel Kalia like rushes him to the hospital but you know we see that he's died and we see that what has happened is that a nickel has fallen out of the sky and gone right through he looks up and it goes right through his eye into his brain the x-ray they used to kind of show that is so crazy yeah. because uh, it goes at such a perfect angle that it's just a slit from one angle and you see the full nickel from the other side, yeah, just brilliant. Yeah, great well, and work. and the another nice detail is like before they cut to him uh, in the uh, taking him to the hospital. You see the horse that he was riding, and there's like a house key sticking out of like the its, rump. its rump, just like standing straight up. So it's like there's just shit falling from the sky out here, and then we jump forward like in time, like six months, and. Um, OJ and his sister have, like, taken over uh, running the ranch. They're uh, Hollywood horse trainers. Uh, they train horses to be in big movies. We see them on the set of a uh, of a commercial shoot, and uh, everyone is just kind of, like, ignoring Daniel Kaluuya, like, being like, hey, don't, like, get too close to the horse and all of this shit. And Kiki Palmer comes in and does her whole... Uh, spiel about their great 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 grandfather uh being the very first 
movie star, stuntman, and uh, animal wrangler, because the the first assemblage of photographs to be put together into a moving picture is a two-second clip of a black man on a horse, that's mm-hmm. what they say. So ever since pictures could move, we've got skin in the game. Hey, got skin I love that line. Yeah. Like, it's so good. And, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty heavily featured in the trailer as well, which yeah. is neat. Uh, and and I, love, I love how this movie is... Like a lot of great films, it's also just about movies, yeah, uh, and about classic movies, which is where a lot of like the Spielbergian stuff comes in. I like, I like that she comes in too and does that whole spiel, like she's late and she has to do that whole thing, and like the whole cast and crew of the commercial shooter just like, okay, yeah, whatever, like let's get <laughs> let's get roll, like y'all are the horse wranglers, like this is a, this is a commercial in, shoot, like in, in the trailer when she says the lines, there's like music behind her and like it's all yeah. cut in a really snappy fashion and it makes her sound really fun and, and in control of the room and in, in the movie like the editing is so different like it's so awkward on set and people are like you know uncomfortable and, well, yeah, it, and she, it's really, she's still confident and cocky but like yeah the whole like uh, aura around her is like so like nervous and of course she ends it too with being like also I act write produce direct and do a little bit of singing on the side so you know like if you need anything and I can make like, a mean grilled cheese and that's right <laughs> Grilled yeah. yeah, that's right. If you need craft services, I can make a mean grilled cheese. So it's like she comes in and does that whole little spiel about like their family's pedigree and everything, and then is like, but also like hire me for these things. I really love that monologue as kind of an introduction of uh, how different Daniel Kaluuya's OJ character and Emerald Kiki Palmer's character are. You know, uh, OJ is so world-weary and, you know, introverted and quiet. And uh, she is, you know, just very extroverted, type A. Yeah. They're wonderfully juxtaposed. And she's both very likable. She's the hustler, he's the horse trainer. Like, mm-hmm. he obviously does not give a shit about any of this, like, Hollywood schmoozing stuff. Like, he's there to make sure the animal's taken care of, like, make sure everything is safe. And it's like, obviously, before this shit, like, his dad did all of this, and he was just there to help out. And now that dad's gone, yeah. now he's forced to, like, handle this kind of stuff. And he's just like not about it. I love how uh, how stoic his character is. Like throughout the entire movie, it's like it, it's the yeah. kind of it's the kind of performance that in like a, a lesser directed, lesser written film would come across as like flat. Mm-hmm. But I think especially because like. There are so many colorful characters in this movie that, like, he, as the sort of stoic straight man, is a really nice foil for all of the wackier stuff, I think. Yeah. He's just, like, he's always, like, he's never, uh, like, really ruffled by anything. He's just, like, always just focused. And uh, even when, like, the shit is hitting the fan and, like, he's scared later like it's all so underplayed like when he's in the truck and like the ufo is like over is like coming over the house and he just kind of like cracks the door open slowly (laughs) looks up sees it over his head just like nope and just closes the door and just like (laughs) it sits there in a truck all night until it goes away like it's i love that shit it's so good well it's 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 so nice um 
uh, and it's such a, a play on how in horror movies it's like, don't get out of the car, don't leave the room, you know, or whatever. And like these, well, I mean, that's that's the recurring gag in yeah, this movie. They like, do the right thing and they stick, they stay put. You know. For for the most part, like they they yeah. definitely do make some pretty bad decisions. Yeah. Just like I mean, the whole the whole like crux of the film is them trying to get like the money shot of the UFO so they can sell it to Hollywood. <laughs> I love that. You know, like that's that's the whole everything they're trying to do. So it's like that's ill-informed right you know like they're they're it's sort reckless, of yeah. it's reckless they're sort of <laughs> fucking with something that they don't really understand but how Spielbergian um, is that right like we're gonna need a yeah. bigger boat totally, we're gonna, totally. Yeah. but yeah but in all well, of the moments in a normal horror movie where you'd be like no don't go in there you stupid fucking idiot or no you don't get out of the car every time they're they see that and they're like Nope. And nah. they just, like, turn around. <laughs> it's like, I love that as a recurring gag. It's like, even though they are being kind of reckless and, like, trying to hunt this UFO, they're still, like, not being wildly reckless. They're not, like, going out of their way to put themselves in danger when, like, very obviously just staying put or turning around and walking away is the smarter decision. Mm-hmm. And the thing I really love about the OJ character is the recklessness even is really motivated. Like, he, as a character, really wants to keep the the ranch alive and keep, you know, going at his father's business where Emerald doesn't care if, you know, it's sold off or whatever. And I think... Yeah, she's got her own thing going on. Mm -hmm. That kind of noble motivation to kind of keep that family legacy alive really adds a lot of complexity to the character and really uh, makes him much more of an interesting character than his surface kind of stoicism kind of shows. Well, he's he's selling a lot of their horses off because, like, the business is suffering and needs money, but everyone he sells off, he does so with the intention of buying back when... He has the money, right? He's selling mm-hmm. horses to uh, Stephen Yun's character, who is great. He's he's so good in this movie. I love that character too. He has sort of a uh, a, a cheap uh, novelty Westworld kind of mm-hmm. like little park that's just down the road yeah. from their ranch. And uh, OJ has been like selling him his horses, and he's like, "Okay, yeah, this is I'm, I'm going to sell you. This is my second best horse, but like I want to make sure that we can talk about it, so like that there's a path to me buying him back later." And Stephen Young is just kind of like, "Uh, yeah, sure." <laughs> you, you know what the place looked like a lot to me is the what what the, basically they've turned the OK Corral into in Arizona. Um, oh, really? I went with my family one time. I've never yeah, been. and the uh, it's the same thing. It's all it's it's like almost Disney fied. They yeah. kind of like it's all yeah. chintzy, like tourist well, trappy stuff. It's very fun. Jupiter's claim. Yeah. Did you it, yeah. did you guys uh, stay after the credits? Yes. Yeah. At all? Apparently, Jupiter's claim is now a permanent part of uh, Universal Studios LA. Fuck so. yes. Yes, I heard something about that. You can go there. That sounds fucking awesome. Yeah. I would love to do that. That's it's a fun yeah, it's, it's really a fun, fun set too. Like That's it's, also it's very great. Spielberg-y is I bet they sell the aliens 
to like the merchandising aspect of it probably like, that's fun. Yeah. yeah well yeah. yeah so steven yun's character uh uh jupiter or jupe uh is Ooh. it's revealed that he was a, a a child star who was like on several like sitcoms and mm-hmm. stuff and and like a goonies kind of movie as well yep. and a few other things and then uh he was on this one sitcom was it was it Gordy's house is that what is that what it was called something yeah. like that um which is it's a, a sitcom with a with a chimp where they live with a chimp, and that was where the uh, the Gordy incident happened, and then his career kind of like trailed off after that. Um, I love when he's like showing them around. He shows them like the hidden room with like all of the memorabilia. He's got the shoe in there that's like now in a, like a glass case and, and whatnot. Um, but then, like, Emerald tries to ask him, like, so, like, what really happened then, you know? And he's like, oh, well, you know, Saturday Night Live, they they really uh, hit the nail on the head with how that whole thing went. <laughs> and instead of telling, like, the story of what actually happened, he's describing the SNL skit of what happened. To... And the brilliance of Chris Kattan. <laughs> and the brilliance of Chris Kattan <laughs> playing Gordy is so funny. He's like, and Kattan was just going crazy. <laughs> <laughs> there was another guy in the theater who like let out like a little like yeah <laughs> like laugh yeah at that, too. that got me too because it's like you think of like legacy snl stuff and like if they were gonna do a sketch about like a chimp that went insane or that went crazy and like ripped somebody's face off it's like who would play that chimp chris Kattan. it's perfect yeah. it's so funny <laughs> Yeah, I thought that was uh, really, really funny. I I also love that they added a bit about German tourists making a mecca there to, like, stay and view the exhibition. Oh, yeah, the the couple that paid him to paid him like $50,000 to spend the night in the Gordy memorabilia room. I didn't ask him what they did. Yeah, he's like, I didn't ask questions. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny, though, but it's I also see it as kind of tragic, too, because like we do see some of like what happened on in the Gordy incident later. And it's, like, we get little snippets of it, like, when he's trying to talk about it, but he's, like, so lighthearted about it. Like, it happened to him when he was a kid, and the only way to, like, keep his career going after that is, like, he's trained himself to, like, monetize his trauma and, like, yeah. make make money off of, like, watching a chimpanzee, like, rip his co-star's face off in front of him when he was, like, 11, I asked this question out of genuine ignorance. Did something like this actually happen? Because I remember there being a shit ton of movies with chimps in it, in them, in like the '90s and stuff. Family movies, kids movies. Yeah, I think there was a movie MVP, where it's a baseball playing monkey. And Most valuable primate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, there was Dunson. There's Dunson checks in, in, but that was an orangutan, not a chimp. But same basic thing. I well, I don't think there was any like anything like this that happened necessarily. I mean, people who have like kept 
animals and chimps as like pets before you hear about incidents where like the the animal goes berserk and like mauls them or something i think that yeah was, and they even mention in the movie the siegfried and Roy that's what incident. i was that's what i was gonna say yeah i think that's the closest like actual parallel to this is like the siegfried and roy thing uh well i mean like ultimately and we can you know start getting into spoilers here soon but like the whole movie is really about the sort of hubris of training animals to perform for entertainment and like yeah very jurassic park-esque right it's like how you think that the it's like no matter how well trained you think they are it's still a wild animal and it you know can never be fully domesticated uh and the bad things that can happen when you don't keep that in mind at all times and that's sort of like why uh oj as a character is like so important and central is like he's the only one in the whole movie who like really remembers that because like he's been so dedicated to horse training it's like these are animals you can't do certain things around them don't look the horse in the eye right when they're on the commercial set the horse like nearly kicks somebody because they're like trying to check uh lighting on it and they put like one of those reflective like balls in front of its face and it can like see its own reflection and it freaks out it's like that's also one of the things with like trained chimps and stuff and like gorillas and shit like you don't look them in the eye. It's like that woman in the Berlin Zoo like 10 years ago who went every day to like stare at the gorillas and one day the fucking silverback just like leapt across the moat and climbed out and like almost beat her to death. Yeah, insane. You don't you don't look well, them in, you don't look them in the eye. That's challenging their dominance. You got you got to let them think that they're that they're in control. Yeah, well, to go into spoilers just a little bit, I love how this movie has sort of a an almost tonal shift about halfway through. From Should we just say, of, like, spoilers ahead? Yeah. Uh, highly recommended. It's really fun if you don't know and just call it. And yep. we just start talking about that yeah. stuff. Yeah. All right, yeah. cool. Uh, I was going to say, uh, this movie has a kind of wild tonal shift between the first half and the second half, where the second half almost becomes training a wild animal sort of thriller, western type of thing. It turns into Um, a a literal rodeo on, like, the largest scale. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Yeah, let's let's start getting into that. Before we reveal the uh the 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 twist twist, there's one sequence I do want to talk about uh because I thought it it was very spooky and it actually they actually kind of got me with it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh is OJ has seen the UFO at this point. He's told Emerald they go to the, you know, the Best Buy and buy, like, a bunch of cameras, and they meet the the fun character there who, like, wants to help them. Anyway, uh, there's the scene where Daniel Kaluuya goes out uh, to, like, the barn, because, um, like, the lights have turned themselves on, and he goes and turns them off, and he's walking away, and they go back on, and he turns around, and you can see, like, something kind of in the shadows... And then it like slowly stands up, and it's like an it's like a little alien. You can kind of see him a little bit in the trailer, 
And I thought that whole scene was really fucking spooky. I mean, they reveal just a couple minutes later that it's just the kids from Jupiter's claim in costumes playing a prank. But they got me for a second. Terrified. I thought it was spooky. I I, I, I was shitting my pants. Yeah, dude. Like, I, like, when the, it ugh, when it like like starts like creeping towards him, and then the other one like comes down from the rafter on the side, and you yeah, and he rounds the corner, and he has his phone out like ready, just like just in case you know, if, like it, 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 I can at least get this alien on camera. Yeah, I, I'm already dead. I might as well just like get the recording or whatever. And like it's the way its head a... just barely comes around the side and then yeah. comes back like yeah. I was so fucking terrified and to make it just kids in, in costumes is just oh fuck yeah, yeah it's was such a, a creative mad. misdirection because you know those type of aliens are the traditional aliens we see in movies and the traditional so like, have like that. flying saucer aliens too and like we've seen that the, mm-hmm. the thing flying around is like a traditional looking sort of like round circular moving thing in the sky that like sucks stuff up into like a big round hole on the bottom of it so yeah you're you're totally expecting like little grays and they give them to you for just a second i and, thought that, uh, that was really and to pull that away immediately is a, is a fun yeah twist mm. well that's that's the thing i like about the trailer too is because like you kind of see one of the 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 kids in the alien costumes for like a second just a little bit, so it's like, you really do think it's like, okay, you know, this is like an alien invasion movie, and then they pull the rug from under you when it turns out that, no, this isn't, like, a this isn't Signs, this is Jaws. It's not an alien yeah. invasion movie, it's a monster movie, because it turns yeah. out that the UFO is not a ship being piloted by aliens, it is an organism it is it's a fucking sky shark it is yeah it's it's a fucking it's a fucking interstellar uh jellyfish Uh monster yeah like the way like it hides in the clouds you know like a shark hiding in the water and like every once in a while like it darts the next cloud it's like like the fin you know it's like the same thing totally it's so good and so fun and terrifying too like really scary like even in broad daylight having that single unmoving cloud where it just kind of hangs out and hides during most of the day is just primo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and the reveal of all of that where like uh it turns out that Steven Yun has been like putting on a show where he's been like letting horses get abducted by quote unquote abducted by the aliens, you know, like every day or whatever and like it's him Again, I well, you know, he doesn't know that it's that it's a just an animal, but it's the, it's the fucking Gordy thing. It's like trying to ch- train a wild animal to perform on command, and then when that goes wrong, it shows up and sucks up Steven Yun and the whole crowd and everybody at the at the park and kills them. And it's horrifying when they're caught inside of it. Like, so throughout the movie, we hear, like, these, like, there's always a scary sound that heralds the alien. Mm-hmm. Some spooky kind of shriek. Yeah. Uh, even from the very beginning. But we find out in the sequence that it's it's just the people that are inside of it. Screaming. Well, the people and, and the horses. And the horses. Yeah, yeah. Just all the animals and people. And it's just, yeah, it's all the combined whales. So, like, it's always heralded by, like, those it's containing. And that's 
that's so spooky. Yeah. Um, and when they're like sucked into it and they're all compressed inside of like this, this weird, like these weird tubes that are like all billowy and stuff. Like it's, uh, it's so claustrophobic. I was really, it was like, I was almost like freaking out. Like yeah. I was so scared, like, uh, really chilling. Like these, these people just like being pulled around inside of the, you know, this, this thing. You know, at the time I thought it was like, like an alien cattle chute, you know, and it kind of is, but yeah. it's literally, well, it's like, like it's you're, you're, you're trained from however many years of pop culture now that, flying saucers have little green men in them and right inside mm-hmm. them right it's like well no this is just like uh this is just like an animal from somewhere out in space that has parked itself here because uh someone keeps feeding it yeah. you know <laughs> and uh eventually that's going to go wrong and surprise surprise it sure does uh and so then you know the second half of the movie sort of turns into like okay well we still want to like get video evidence of this thing's existence like the goal is still the same but now we know that it's not like beings from another world in a ship it's an animal and as daniel kaluuya says all animals have rules so now we have to try to figure out what rules does this creature abide by so how can we bait it and not die you know (laughs) which is again pretty still ill-advised you know they're still trying to fucking they're still playing with fire here you know they're still they're they're poking the lion but it's cool and it makes them noble i think as characters because their their goal is more important to them than their own lives and that's fun, and that's a good adventure. I don't movie. know if that's noble so much as it is foolish. Well, but... that's that's courage, right? Courage is stupid, and I love it, and I love it in movies. Yeah. Um, you know, like they're they're trying to get the Aztec gold, even though it might kill them. You know, like it's Indiana Jones; he's going into a temple, you know, uh, robbing people of their <laughs> cultural artifacts uh, yeah. for you know for um, putting his life at risk for you know like just the thrill of the prize. And I I like that. I like that in movies. Well. I think the key to all that here is the scene after the Jupiter's Claim massacre when uh, they're all at the house. When it's raining? um, At night. Yeah, Mm -hmm. when it's raining. Yeah, that sequence uh, sequence is really cool. I love that sequence when Angel and Emerald are in the house and the alien is dropping all the the non-organic materials down. And you see the all the blood running down the house and the windows and everything. Yeah, it's just, like, hovering over the house in the rain. And so, like, when it moves over the house, the rain stops. But then, like, the blood starts raining down, which is, like, it, it really horrifyingly makes you wonder, like, what's happening to all of those people inside that thing. Yeah, they're I getting get, pulped. Uh, yeah, I get the impression that they're just being, like, compressed. They're just being juiced yeah. <laughs> yeah because like all of like the blood is like raining down on the house and it's the same sequence too where daniel kalia has his little thing where like the truck stops because we haven't mentioned that this thing's passage um like disables electronics um so whenever it's like flying overhead anything electronic like uh dies so like when it flies over the truck like the truck dies so that's when he's just like sitting there and he like pokes his head out and he's like nope <laughs> he goes back inside um 
And he also figures out, and this is one of my, like, tiny little world-building problems. Not real problem, but, like, he figures out that the this creature will only eat you if you look at it. So it's like, I get what they're trying to do with, like, you know, the making eye contact thing. But it that feels, like, a little bit, a little trite to me. Because, like... This is some strange entity from another world or whatever. Like, it doesn't even have visible eyes. Like, how does it know when you're looking at it? Like, what is... what? Anyway, mm-hmm. it's it's like the the tiniest little complaint. It it sets up some some uh, fun sequences. So like as sort of a MacGuffin, I don't mind it. Yeah, like it does raise a few like kind of dumb. I think they're like kind of cinemasinzy dumb questions. Yeah. but they're worth asking. Like it's why it's why I don't like. Yeah. I feel kind of bad nitpicking that kind of thing because it's not really mm-hmm. important. No, but it, like yeah. for instance, uh, uh, <laughs> are the horses looking at it? Yeah, right. Like, you know, like is that is that the thing? Like, do the horses look at and it's it? Like it's you like you stop, you or, stop looking at it, mm-hmm. and it's all of a sudden, like if it's coming after you, you stop looking at it, and it's like, okay, I don't want to eat you anymore. But, like, can it only see you if you're looking at it? Because like that doesn't make sense. How yeah. does it fly around if that's the case? Right. If it can only see things that are looking at it. But and, and my thought is like, if you want to Star Trek it and kind of like work around the rules, like it's like smells the pheromones of it or whatever. It and smells it's like it's not the pheromones actually, of your eyeballs looking you know, at no, it. No, no, not like your eyeballs looking, but like like <laughs> focusing on it or like drawing attention to it. You know, like it can yeah. fucking. It, we, it, you know, knows, it, it doesn't have human how, eyes. Yeah, who knows how this thing works? Yeah, it's very alien. It, literally alien. Yeah, like, and that is and that is well, like one of my my bigger points of praise for the film too is uh, I it. it made me think of, especially towards the end, made me think of Annihilation um, a lot in the sense that I think that that's another good film from recent years that has presented a truly alien alien, and this movie does that mm-hmm. too. Yeah. Uh, because, yeah. like, it is it is uh, sort of incomprehensible. Like, it, it doesn't look like anything it doesn't look or behave like anything that like we understand you know other than a flying saucer i think that's really impressive how they capture that visually you know especially once kind of it sheds its sort of ufo shape once it gets pissed off at the end and it like uh unfurls into uh Something that I have trouble describing with words. Uh, floating like Sydney Opera House. Truly... <laughs> yeah, it's like it's. It, yeah, it is kind of like a flying Sydney Opera House. It's like it's sail-like, but also kind of like a jellyfish. It's elegant and like, ribbons. It's yeah. It's uh, it's very strange, but it's cool and it's scary. I yeah. I. I she was really awesome and it's yeah it's it's largely composed of like an organic uh fabric and that's really fun because the whole thing that they use to like figure out where it is in the sky along the fields is they they steal a whole bunch of uh like used car salesmen like inflatable men 
and it's the yeah the tube men yeah, yeah. and it's yeah. also kind of a tube creature like and it's it's also sort of like an inflatable man monster yeah. like it's made of like it's made of like floaty cloth and that's such that's a cool fu- that's yeah. such a fun thing they turn the the whole like third act is like they turn the whole valley that the ranch is in into like a big corral they set up all the tube men so they can see when it's passing overhead because the batteries that are powering them will die so they can sort of track its position. Uh, I love that they get the uh, that sort of, like, pretentious uh, cinematographer mm-hmm. uh, who's played by Michael Wincott, uh, who is, like, he uh, he's chasing the impossible shot, and so that's how they, like, get him on board. It's like, well, there's a UFO, so, like, what's more impossible than that, you know? So he brings this whole, like, elaborate, uh, fully analog, uh, film setup, since it, uh... It's an IMAX camera. Oh, is that what that was? That is that what yeah, that was? It, yeah, it said IMAX on it. Oh shit, I didn't even cool. catch that. It's like crank operated, so, like, nothing, um, nothing electrical, so it can't turn off... Uh, yeah, I loved that. I loved all of that. He's sort of like the, uh, I I mean, he's much less important than Quint is in Jaws, but he gives me the same kind of vibes, like sort of, Mm -hmm. uh, like this old explorer, you know, who like, uh, has a, a a sort of like Ahab-like obsession, you know, uh, and he gets got too. be, so in order so he can get his impossible shot, he sacrifices himself to get that impossible shot of him, of him getting sucked up into the alien monster. This movie also has like the most realistic, uh, stressful, quick film change uh, in it. (laughs) Yeah. Which I loved. Mm-hmm. Brought me brought me back to uh to the film school days of having to change out a reel of film in a bag so you don't expose it to light. Yeah. <laughs> um but yeah, I thought he was really great. Um he gives the greatest uh serious rendition of purple people eaters. Oh my um, God. <laughs> one armed flying purple people eaters. But yeah, I, I, I love his character. It's really fun. I love how they kind of play up some of the pretensions there. I'm sure Jordan Peele has seen a lot of that firsthand. Oh, yeah. Their elaborate planning of all of this is really fun. They give each other call signs, Top Gun style. Mm-hmm. Of, mono- um, monopoly of Monopoly pieces. Characters. One of one of um, my uh, one of my favorite details too is that um, uh, Daniel Kaluuya is wearing a uh, crew hoodie from uh, Scorpion from the Scorpion King. It was his first shoot because uh, mm-hmm. it was his first shoot. Yeah, there was uh, uh, Kiki Palmer has an anecdote early on about how like Dad had saved like a special horse named Jean Jacket that was going to be like her first horse, and she was going to train the horse. And then last minute, you know, they uh, he pulled that from her because they he got a deal on some western or something, and they needed Jean Jacket for that western. And Dana Kaluuya's like, no, it wasn't a western; it was Scorpion King. <laughs> and uh, mm-hmm. so to so he puts on his his orange his bright orange Scorpion King crew hoodie uh for this uh this sort of rodeo at the end but 
what I was getting to, the detail that I really like is uh, he glues these big green eyes on the back of the hood so when he needs the the ufo to follow him he puts his hood up and rides the horse so it looks so he's got the fake eyes on the back of his head so it thinks that he's looking at it uh which is such a fun cool thing um especially with like the whole like it's just an animal thing because you see that all the time in nature with like butterflies and like false eyes to make predators think that you're like looking at them i thought that was uh, a, a really fun thing and you were talking about the call signs and they give the call sign of jean jacket to uh to the 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 alien creature itself which ends up being really nice because at the end Kiki Palmer is the one who ends up leading it away. Like, Daniel Kaluuya is trying to, like, take control sort of the way that he ended up, like, taking the original jean jacket, the horse, away from her to train. But then at the end, like, she's the one who gets on the motorcycle and leads the the alien jean jacket away from the ranch to save... Uh, OJ. So that, I thought that was a really, uh, a really nice little yeah. turnaround of I, that. I love how we get the the motorcycle as well. Like every little detail of this is delightful. Um, there's a TMZ guy who shows up, like trying to find information on the murder and stuff. And uh, they're they've just got everything set up, and he's their fly in the ointment. Like he shows up at just the perfectly wrong time, right when this creature's going to show up, yep. and he's going to take that main road up to uh, up up to the. Um, Jupiter's uh, claim. Up to Jupiter's claim. And they try to tell him, like, no, don't. But they don't want to give it away because, like, they got to get their shot. And, like, this guy would definitely try to steal it. Right. So, you know, they, they're like, oh, you know, you really don't want to go that way. You really shouldn't do it. And he, you know, bucks off anyway. And he starts heading down. And, of course, he gets swamped, uh, yep. you know, as it were. But the motorcycle is still there. Um, and so then, later on, the sister, when she grabs it and she takes off, I got to mention this. She, she heads all the oh, way yeah. up to Jupiter's claim, leading the thing off. And she does the fucking best Akira power slide. For like viewers don't really understand uh, why, like I'm, I, I like I creamed my pants over that moment. Um, uh, in animation, in particular, uh, it's very popular to do like uh, an homage to Akira, which was um, had this incredible shot where uh, Tetsuo, um, Tetsuo or Kanada, I always Kanada. or Kanada like uh, does this cool power slide on the bike and it's really well animated and tons of animated films um, and one or two live action movies have also like replicated the shot as an homage. It's sort of like animation's Wilhelm scream. Jordan Peele at one point was like offered the chance to work on like an Akira he live was action film. By, he was approached yeah, for it and he turned it down. To do an Akira live action. <laughs> so him putting like an Akira slide in his movie is so fucking good. And it's yeah. one of the best ones I've seen in live action. And it was like, Oh damn, he, he could do a really good Akira movie. Like, <laughs> well, they they set up they set up the whole motorcycle thing. Her getting on the motorcycle really well too, because just like one part of her little speech at the beginning, where she's <laughs> like, "I write, direct, act, sing on the side." She also mentions that she does motorcycles. So that's just that little drop that she knows how to ride a motorcycle. So later, when she has to hop on this motorcycle, it's not like how does she suddenly know how to ride this? Right? Like they just drop that nice little thing another little detail of that whole sequence to point out too is that the tmz guy who comes in on the motorcycle his helmet is uh 
entirely like mirrored the whole thing is like reflective and Mm -hmm. that is a callback to that same scene at the beginning where on the film set they have the mirrored ball to like check the light next to the horse and it freaks out the horse and it sees its own reflection in the ball and it freaks out the horse so when the the tmz guy has fallen off his motorcycle and like busted his leg or whatever and the the ufo jean jacket is overhead it's like reflected in his helmet so it swamps him mm-hmm. uh, yeah just well i love how when he gets knocked the fuck off of his motorcycle and uh, OJ comes to save the day. The TMZ guy is still saying, "Get the shot." Yeah, he's <laughs> like, he's like, you are, why, "Where's your phone? Why aren't you filming this right now? <laughs> you can use my camera." You get sucked up <laughs> into the sky. <laughs> it's like all of this shit is like everybody's everybody's trying to fucking hustle some shit. You know, everyone's trying to get the perfect shot. It's all for the sake of entertainment, uh, willing to fucking risk their shit. I have a tangent. Yeah. So yesterday I saw maybe the most ratioed tweet about this movie that I've ever seen. I know the one. Um, (laughs) So uh, we were talking earlier about how OJ's wearing uh, an orange Scorpion King hoodie. Yes. Um, Someone tweeted... This is a a film critic um, out of Canada. He tweeted, It's not for me to write the essay, but one of the more sublime choices in Nope is to dress the hero in this color, which he included a picture of him in the orange hoodie. Often a shade reserved in popular media when showing a black man in prison wear. What the fuck? He got. I I knew exactly as soon as you said the most ratio, and I was like, I knew exactly where you were going with that. My dude got fucking absolutely bodied by Twitter over that. What? Talk about orange is the new bleh. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck, man? Like. Just I saw. Be, I saw a lot of people miss it so much. How can you miss the fucking point? I saw a lot of people quote tweeting that tweet with just a screenshot from Get Out of, <laughs> of the. Uh, if I could have, I would have voted for Obama a third time. <laughs> <laughs> it's so like the most like Libby White dude like fucking thing yeah, to like it's so read funny. into the struggle, and it's like, dude, what the fuck are you on? Like that's it's just like, looking. Said, looking like, for several shit times. that's just, just not there at all. Well, like, not only is it not there, the movie like has several moments, particularly in that main scene we keep going back to with OJ and the horse. Um, like, there's several bits there where like you see that same like white fragility shit where Jordan Peele is like making that shit like super clear. It's like this is this movie isn't about that. And he's, like, actively making fun of people like that. You know, like, the lady who's like, oh, your name is OJ? Like, that, you know? Yeah. Like, that and um, several other moments. And just, like, yeah, like, those those really shitty, like, vapid, like, California fuckers, you know? Like, I mean, like, oh, well, sorry, the director said I was supposed to stand here, like, not even listening to the animal handler and shit. Like, you know, all of that kind I of mean, stuff. I mean, so Jordan Peele, Jordan Peele is, like, uh, that's been his shtick since... 
since day one with Get Out yeah. and just uh, making fun of like white Hollywood libs. Mm-hmm. And it's so funny. Yeah. I, I always really appreciate that. Oh, yeah. Well, the funniest thing about that tweet, too, is this movie is probably uh, Jordan Peele's least political directly film. Yeah. You know, directly political. It's much more of sort of, like we said, a Spielbergian, you know, creature feature. And if anything, it's more commenting on kind of man's hubris, you know, a la Jurassic Park or Jaws even. Yeah, exactly. And it's just like to to totally like anytime Jordan Peele does something to try to like breathlessly be the first one to have like the most woke take about it. Like always from like these white film critics too. Mm-hmm. It's always the funniest. <laughs> well, I mean, we might as well, you know, I'm sure everybody's we, seen it by now, but we, we might it. we might as well mention while we're on the subject of people getting fucking bodied on Twitter <laughs> over this movie. We we should definitely uh go on a little tangent to talk about Jordan Peele uh, eviscerating uh, Adam Ellis, who uh, tweeted that, you know, and I I think probably, you know, his heart was at the right place, sure, tweeted that, uh, you know, Jordan Peele is the, like, at what point can we say that Jordan Peele is the greatest horror filmmaker ever? What other filmmaker has made three great horror films uh uh not even back to back you know like peel has and it's like it was baby brain take it's like come on man it's like don't get me wrong i love jordan peel we all love jordan peel we all love jordan peel we've loved all of his movies that have come out like we're big jordan peel fans on the podcast obviously but to say that no other horror filmmaker has made three great horror films back to back or three great horror films period and uh you know of course uh jordan peele came in and responded to that tweet and was like is like sir please put the phone down (laughs) he says i appreciate the enthusiasm but i won't tolerate any john carpenter slander it's like john carpenter's the obvious one but then you've also got to think about like cronenberg and fucking hitchcock and like toby hooper and it's like it's just like come on man like film has been around for over a hundred years at this point and horror film has been around for the same amount of time like jesus christ what about fucking james whale like one of the ogs like how can you be so illiterate in horror filmmaking that you think just now in 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 the last in the last 10 years are we getting a filmmaker who's made three great horror films well also like the idea of like being like oh when can we just say like as a collective who's the best of all time it's like "Eh, this shit's subjective like come on who's the best artist of all time i don't know whoever you want there's no doubt that jordan peele is definitely one of the best contemporary horror filmmakers there's no doubt about that of course but also, like, he's not even alone in the fucking contemporary canon. You've got people like Robert Eggers and mm-hmm. Ari Aster and Jennifer Kent. Like, there are other people making fucking incredible horror films today. And it's like, yeah, Jordan Peele is a, is 
great at what he does. He's a master, I would say. But, like, to make such a fucking sweeping statement, and then to just get, like, so brutally annihilated by the filmmaker himself and all of Twitter. He got, like, fucking Variety wrote an article about Jordan Peele bodying him, and it's like, if it gets that far that Variety's gonna write an article about it, then you should just delete all of your social media and move out to a cabin in the woods for, like, a good 10 to 15 years to, like, really evaluate... <laughs> I thought you were gonna say to make mail bombs. Yeah, Ted yeah, Ted, yeah. Then you should become Ted Kaczynski. You there get, you go. Jordan Peele bodies you on Twitter, so you move out to the woods, become Ted Kaczynski, and uh, and start sending bombs to people. No, but for a little more context for those who aren't familiar with the the the, the deal, like he did a little bit more than that too before Jordan Peele popped in. Like there were a lot of people saying, "Well, what about John Carpenter?" And my dude just kept digging a hole and. He he was posting um, rotten to, like people were like, "Oh, what about the thing? What about this?" And he was posting like the IMD, uh, sorry, the the Rotten Tomatoes scores for those movies. And it's like, man, Rotten Tomatoes didn't even exist. Yeah, before like, before Jordan Peele showed up in that thread, people were like, "What are you talking about, John Carpenter?" And Adam Ellis doubled down and was like. Halloween is a stone cold classic, but John Carpenter hasn't made any other great movies other than Halloween, and it's like that's insane, man. That's that's a that's a more insane statement yeah. than saying that Jordan Peele is the greatest horror filmmaker mm. of all time. And that's like, to say that Halloween is his only is his only good movie is like is fucking bonkers. And yeah, people being like, what about? fucking uh prince of darkness or in the mouth of madness or they live or the thing and he was just responding with like rotten tomatoes screenshots of like the scores of those of like the the critical scores of those movies it's like come on man come on yeah, like yeah. what? And like, so and that's what I you like. Just gotta cut your losses and log off. Yeah. Except, but, except when you've lost and fucking disappear for a while. Mm-hmm. But what I what I like is that that's how Jordan Peele came in on the whole scenario. Yeah. Right. Like he 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 said like I appreciate the enthusiasm, but I won't tolerate any John Carpenter slander. Yeah. And and I like that. Like it's it's kind of humble. Like he's still like thank you for really liking my work. Like and, and I I think like that's. That's why he's so fucking great, right? Like as a person. Well, yeah, like that and, was, it's, that's such a and it's also good way he's still in, in terms of his career, he's still such a young filmmaker, right? Like he is, mm-hmm. he is mm-hmm. three, he's three for three at this point, and it is impressive, certainly. But even somebody like John Carpenter makes some stinkers, right? Like sure. <laughs> John Carpenter's last couple of films are not great, and you know, then I think he realized that and was like, you know what? I don't need to do this anymore. I just want to smoke weed and watch basketball and play video games and make music with my son. Mm -hmm. And he retired to do so, uh, which is like the biggest king shit you can do. So it's like, let's, uh, let's, let's pump the brakes a little bit. Like, I love Jordan Peele, but he's certainly capable of making a bad movie, you know? Uh, it hasn't happened yet, but that doesn't mean it won't happen. So let's, let's slow down on trying to name him the greatest of all time. Well, do y'all do y'all want to on that on that note? Do y'all want to rate? Uh, y'all want to rate? Nope. Uh, yep. Why don't uh, you start then, Ben? You guys, okay, okay, I'll go first. Uh, yeah, I I thought this movie was fantastic. I I love the spectacle of it. While there were 
small bits with, you know, Gordy CGI that kind of threw me off, and it seemed a little scattered at times. I think it is really strong, and, you know, I think it's maybe Jordan Peele's most fully fleshed out film. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed this movie. I would definitely recommend going to see it, ideally, without having this spoiled by us what you just heard yeah <laughs> um <laughs> but yeah this movie is great i'm gonna give it a strong four and a half out of five Cleve, yeah uh i i liked all the themes in the movie it had me guessing had me going uh it was fun i was deeply horrified at the scary bits i was laughing at the funny um I had a wonderful time, and the movie knew how to enjoy itself, which is, I think, the best thing a movie can be, is it delivered on being a movie. There were things happening in it, and the things happening were fun or scary and made me feel shit. I don't have any flaws. I, I'm i really struggling to find like something I didn't like about the movie or whatever, and I'm still coming in really high off of it, like uh, and, and just writing that and having a great time. So it's hard for me to like uh, think about it, but uh, I, I think I'm gonna give it a five. I, 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 have, I have little to no criticisms, and it was a great time. But it's my favorite of his. Hold on, that. Okay. Um, yeah. I, we'll we'll, we'll rank later. Yeah, I was I was gonna bring that up after we rate anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you know, I'm pretty much I'm pretty much there with you, Cleve. Um this is uh this is the return of the Mac, man. Uh every time Jordan Peele swings around with a new movie every couple of years, uh I I have a fucking blast with it. None of my like criticisms of this movie feel like real enough for me to actually deduct points for them. They're all just like little tiny nitpicky shit like how does the alien know that you're looking at it like i don't i don't even feel good about that criticism so um yeah you know i'm i'm also still really hot on it we just saw it last night i'm pretty sure i've given both of jordan peele's other films five out of five uh but i don't see any reason to stop with this one yeah. uh, so i'm also gonna give it i'm also gonna give it a five out of five hey ben how you feel all right fuck man let's make this <laughs> Are you, do it? <laughs> you know here's the thing like this is the uh, second time in like of the last month that we've done this to you <laughs> yeah yeah well here's the thing like this movie coming out of the theater part of my unsureness with that was it not I think with us and Get Out, like the the sort of metaphor slash message, so to speak, is so straightforward that it's almost didactic. Whereas this movie is a little more subtle about that. And I think at first I was a little off put by that because it felt like it wasn't completely sure of that but you know after talking about it with you guys i i think it makes a lot of sense you know kind of that hubris and thrill-seeking elements of um culture i mean and making movies even starts Mm -hmm. with that yeah this movie even starts with that what jewish bible quote where it's all about spectacle 
Oh yeah, I'll throw shit at you and make you a spectacle or whatever, something yeah, like that. Something Nahum. Like yeah, that, yeah. I, I don't know my uh, I don't know my Bible slash Torah quotes, but uh, yeah, no, I totally forgot about that. So are you are you bumping? Yeah, yeah. All right, we bumping. All right, cool. Golden it's five out of five, baby. Yeah, you know, I I wasn't sure where I was last night, but especially after sleeping on it and thinking on it today, it's like, yeah, I, I really like this movie. I'm I'm eager to see it again. I might try to catch it in the theater again, uh, if possible. But um, yeah, well, that'll be a unanimous five out of five for uh, Nope and another Golden Pod. So check it out. But to bring it back to what Cleveland uh, brought up. How would y'all rank this in the the growing Jordan Peele canon? It's my favorite. So we're so? still coming in hot. Yeah, like coming yeah. in hot. I I just I, I had the most fun watching this movie, and I was probably the most scared. I had a ton of fun in Us, right? But the the most fun I had was at the climax during the scissor fight, and I and I think to myself like that was really cool and fun. And I think about how grand this movie is and how much fun I had during so many different shots and sequences. I was, like, shouting when she does, like, the power slide, like, when the creature unfurls and it's doing, like, all the cool, like, flippy stuff. I was like, wow, this is insane. Like, and, the, like, the house pouring blood. There's so many sequences that have me, like, as thrilled and as invigorated as, like, the, the climax of us. And Get Out, I think, has phenomenal commentary. I think it's an amazing movie and it's much more down-to-earth once again. But it's just... This one was just so grand, and it was just... I had so much fun watching it. Yeah, I, it really took me places yeah. and brought me in. I mean, the chimp, when it looks at you at the beginning, ugh, the the aliens, like, there's so many good sequences. This is this is the biggest spectacle, for sure. It's it's hard yeah. It's hard to... I, I certainly won't declare it a definitive ranking, mm-hmm. um, because I am hot off of this one. Honestly, I... I think, and this is by the slimmest margin since I've rated all of his movies five out of five, but I think this might be my least favorite in execution. I think it's my favorite in concept, but I I think that like you're you're not wrong, Ben, in terms of like where the message is at. I think this film feels slightly less focused than get out and us that being said though like i've seen get out many times and i'm well overdue for a revisit of us because i only saw it the once um so it's hard to really say this one's obviously the freshest um yeah so i think for me i would say get out is probably <laughs> still number one probably for me i too. think beyond beyond just kind of from a straightforward film perspective i think it had such a cultural moment in the zeitgeist that us and you know we're still early but i don't think nope is gonna have that same impact um it doesn't have the same sort of socio-political uh critique that something like no or uh, get out does i think you're right yeah but there again all five out of five. Yeah, it's all eyes. it's all like the sl- the the slimmest margin. Um, so yeah, check it out. Um, did you have res- you had results for us, Ben? For this yes, one, yes, yes. Okay, so for Rotten Tomatoes, Tease and I both predicted eighty eight, and Cleve, you predicted ninety two. Um, this is currently sitting at an eighty two on Rotten Tomatoes. Hmm. 
That's um, lower than I would have expected, yeah. but uh, I'll take the the tie victory on that. Yeah, I think the 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 less clear socio political commentary kind of made it a little more divisive. Interesting. Um, I also saw oh, I think we a really episode. funny article from Armand White, noted film critic troll. Um, he wrote a review for Nope in the National Review that is fucking awful. Oh, really? Wow. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, but anyways, uh, collective rating, Cleve and I both predicted this to be a four and a half out of five. And Tease, you predicted 4.7. So just barely scratched that one. And then we'll wait um, for next week for box box office. office. Mm -hmm. But uh, they're predicting it to be about 50 million. So pretty good. Decent, yeah. Uh, Well, I mean, this has certainly been an anticipated film. Um, Well, uh, next week is my pick, I believe. Uh, yep. And we're going back to our year of the sequel list. What sequel have I chosen? We're going to be watching The Descent Part 2. Nice. Which Hell I yeah. don't think any of us have ever seen. The de- The first Descent is one of my favorite horror films of all time. I have not heard great things about the sequel, but uh, my curiosity has gotten the best of me, so we going to find out next week. You know, I was... Is it directed by the same person? It is not. It is okay. not. You know, I was uh, watching Black Sails the other day, and I realized it, uh, at least the pilot, or the first episode, was directed by the same person who did The Descent. Oh, really? Yeah. By uh, fucking, uh, what's his face? Neil, Neil Jordan. Neil Jordan. Neil, yeah. Is it Neil, Neil Jordan or Neil Marshall? Neil Marshall. Neil Marshall. Neil yes, Marshall, right. yeah, 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 yeah. Neil Marshall. So, I thought that was neat. Um, Neil Jordan yeah. did the crying game, which is a, uh, a personal vendetta. He, he also did that other movie that we hated, Greta. Yes, that's right. Oh, that's right. He did Greta. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Neil Jordan's no good. All right, well, uh, sponsor time? Oh, yeah, sponsor time. Sponsor time. Cleveland's back in the house, so Cleveland gets to do the sponsor duties again. Bing bong. Sponsor time. That's my job. I do the sponsor. It's the only reason I'm on this podcast. That's right. To To make us money. That's right. Well, this week, ladies and gentlemen, is brought to you by Leather Ace. That's right, Leatherface. But now, he's asexual. Does it really change all that much? <laughs> Probably not. I never really thought about Leatherface's sexuality that much to begin with. But hey, now... He's ace. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and now, instead of skinning people, he's skinning garlic bread. Leather race. What? What? <laughs> oh, it's a, it's a thing where, like, there's a, a asexual folk, like... Garlic bread? Yeah, it's... It, it's yeah. Is that the thing? What? Yeah. I forget exactly what it has to do with, but it's like, basically it's a good way to explain asexuality, where it's just like, I'd really just rather, instead of having sex, like, just have a piece of garlic bread. Because, see, like, I also like garlic bread, but I also like pussy, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know, or something, I'm probably getting it entirely wrong and misrepresenting, like, a huge demographic or a small demographic or whatever, but. Whatever. Yeah. Demographic. It's with... 
this is quickly becoming problematic. Yeah, it's it's with kindness. I'm trying. I'm trying here to. Uh, yeah. Enjoy a nice slice of garlic bread, whatever your sexuality. Yeah. <laughs> and if you're Leatherface, smear some people chili on that garlic bread. There you go. <laughs> Alright. Well, that'll bring us to the end of this week's episode. Leave us five stars on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts if you want to support the show. You can also support us at patreon.com slash podpeoplepod. Shout out to honorary pod boys Sam Simon and Zach Confer. We love and appreciate you guys as always. And thank you... Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at PodPeoplePod and at Letterbox.com slash PodPeoplePod. If you happen to be an ace listener, feel free to add us and explain the garlic bread uh, thing. Yeah. And, and clear us of our ignorance. I guess so. You can do that. Hey, and any garlic bread companies listening, uh, feel free to sponsor us. Yeah, if you uh, want to sponsor us. A, a payment in garlic bread. Yeah, you can send us True garlic that. bread and we'll give you a shout out on the show. You can uh, find me on Twitter at some spooky snake. I'm on Twitter at Mr. Sheets. And I'm occasionally tweeting for Light Arc Studios who put up progress on its stairs back. But you can also find my work on ArtStation and you can find a lot of the cool games that I'm working on on DreadXP.com. Uh, check out all of those super cool games. I'm doing tons of art for all of them. Uh, uh, I've been, uh, just today I was doing some really cool posters for a game that hasn't been announced yet, but, uh, things that have been announced, uh, include Mortuary Assistant. Go check that out. That game is phenomenal. Oh, so chilling. I, I still get super scared every time I play it. Um, uh, I just did a little QA work on Mortuary, but it's, it's regardless, super worth checking out. That's it from me. All right. Thanks for listening. And, uh, until next time... Keep it fly. In the sky. Yeah. Show your dad.